0: Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everybody. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy.
1: It is. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Well, I've been sitting with you for about six hours.
0: So it's I'm... not true. It's not true. Don't act like I just got here. She's lies. <laughs> okay. Yes, we, we had to pre-record some episodes because of me going out of town. So so I've been asked how I am about five times. And she still can't come up with a different answer. Nope what now she just laughed because she wanted to say something mean and you just shut me right out all right right back to childhood oh so yeah let's start with some trivia i would like some trivia please ma'am
1: well let's start with last week's question Mm -hmm. which was supposed to go under mr hannibal lector i
0: love that guy i mean you know the fictional character
1: lector the actor really Yeah. So the question was, uh, Silence of the Lambs was inspired by what true crime, Mm. criminologist, and serial killer? Wow. And the second part to that would be, what did the serial killer help the criminologist or profiler with? So the answer was, Mm -hmm. the, the, the criminologist was Robert Keppel, and he worked with Ted Bundy. Oh, okay. Um, And Ted Bundy, which, and I talked about this when we did the Ted Bundy series, he helped Robert Keppel um, profile the Green River serial killer while he was, this is when. Bundy started to go. Sure, what kind of information do you need? I'd love to be more of a celebrity. Yeah, you know, yeah I'm right? Not saying that, but <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. This is when he really started talking, and um, it's. I think one of the things that got him to start talking is, oh, you need me for something, and mm. I have information that you might need. So they worked together, on, and that was what orchestrated the whole idea behind. So this Sounds particular
0: lame. serial killer uh, had commonalities with Hannibal Lecter
1: like I think it was more than dating natu- them or something. No, I think it was more the nature of um, the relationship was oh. Ted Bundy I see. helped Robert Keppel like with Starling after and- he was sentenced to life. Okay. And it was he found out s- the
0: ongoing relationship yeah. between like Starling and Lecter.
1: Yep, and then helping him prof- help- helping her profile um, Yes. What's his name? Uh, buffalo bill okay yeah Yeah. yep so gotcha yeah that was a great one thanks yeah thought that was interesting because i know there's a lot of misinformation around it was really more about buffalo bill and buffalo bill being based on a real which that could be true but that the whole yeah relational piece was based on bundy and keppel cool Right on. Do we, Capel? Capel, uh, do we have a new? I don't know. Maybe. Do we have a new trivia? We do. So this one's going to go under the Summer Camp Instagram post, under which is June 20th, 2019. Okay. Scroll down. Right on. The question is, what was the original title for the first Friday the 13th movie? Mm. Um, so... What that means is when the director creator of this movie was think, starting to think about this film in his mind, he wanted to call it something else. I don't think it was actually ever called that. I see. Like working title, working title. title. Mm -hmm. And then what was the name of the actual camp where it was filmed? Wow. Fun. Which is still there today. That's super fun. Yeah. Okay. There you go.
0: Okay. Thanks. Bye. Good night. No, you're welcome. Uh (laughs) (laughs) perfect do we have
1: a discussion topic today we do and this one's more literally more of a discussion topic versus like a piece of research because it's something you and i have both uh run into in the work that we do and i thought um because it's around valentine's day and we talk about love and relationships and where we get our sense of self-worth from is oftentimes our primary caregivers. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, narcissistic mothers and how they oftentimes present in many ways. Narcissists are narcissists, but there's something very, very specific at least with what I've experienced and what I've read about Mm -hmm. regarding the narcissistic mother and why they, are incredibly damaging um and savvy and invalidating and
0: abusive abusive yeah
1: and so some of the things that uh when we're talking about narcissistic mothers some of the things that you might see so maybe you can orient to one in your mind as we're talking about that is they're incredibly invalidating there's little to no consistency in anything they do total disregard uh of the child's boundaries they keep uh she might keep her child in a state of perpetual childhood. I have seen this Mm -hmm. quite a bit and we'll talk about what that means or entirely enmeshed where the child is responsible for filling emotional needs and then a lot of shame and fault finding. Yeah.
0: Guilt trips, gaslighting, um, externalizing shame. is probably what I would say. Yeah. Um, the shame she feels she's just chronically shaming her own children.
1: Yeah. And I find, I mean, with the, the narcissistic mothers that I've had in the, in the past um, where I'm working with, with either they're the narcissistic mother and my client, or Mm -hmm. it's much more identifiable when the, the, child is my client and I have to work with the parent mm-hmm. is this over representation of their victimhood oh my gosh yeah. of, okay. I really support this yeah you know, I really support my son and and I or I really support my daughter and they, they just abuse me and and I really love them and I want to help them but they're so abusive and they oh. they blah 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 and so on and so on and the main focus is their victimhood mm. versus the real like a, a parent who is not pathologically narcissistic can yeah. say, yeah, my kid's a little brat, but can still show up as the parent and go, all right, what do I need to do here? Yeah. It's a very different thing. Absolutely. So I don't know. What's your experience?
0: Uh, I would say that they
1: have some typical narcissistic
0: qualities like um, obsessed with appearances like of the family outside the family Mm. right like don't tell your teacher this or don't Mm -hmm. tell your friends this or whatever wanting wanting people outside of the family to have a perspective an image image conscious I guess Um, narcissists want you to be a narcissistic narcissistic extension of them Mm -hmm. so if you let's say, you know, you like football, and that person doesn't like, or no, let's, here's a better example, something we talked about in one of the other episodes, you know, you want to be an engineer, and your mother is an actress, or a creative person, an artist of some kind, and you want to be an engineer. And so anytime you talk about being an engineer, or you're actually working as an engineer, or you're in school for that, she basically just switches the topic. She doesn't really, she's always asking you the same questions over and again. Like it's not connecting that you're an engineer. It just, it's not mirroring her image or mm-hmm. what she wants of you. Mm-hmm. And so anything from small to big, which would be career choice, it just, it never quite, they just, dis, they're very dismissive of things that don't uh, have their mirror image. Sure. Um, I would say the boundaries. Certainly, you talked about like really poor boundaries, really
1: poor boundaries. And I want to go back to the um, keeping a child in a state of perpetual childhood. Mm. So what I will see is when the child starts to get, and when I say child, I I mean a teenager at this point. This teenager is going from like fifteen to sixteen, and the mother, and clearly. This trait in itself does not make someone narcissistic. But with coupled with all this other stuff, what I will notice is they will not allow the separation and individuation. Um, Clearly, autonomy is always met with resistance from any narcissist. But from a mother, it's this um, wanting to repress this child and keep him or her in a state of... uh, dependency on the mother because as we know this mother's clearly terrified of being abandoned by her own child but it's 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 it creates almost a debilitating sense of self in the child
0: right and I guess you could correlate that to what I was saying because if I'm not mirroring you I am abandoning you I could be standing right here but to a narcissist if I'm not mirroring what you're thrown down, then I feel abandoned, even though you're standing right there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it could be physical abandonment or just emotional Mm -hmm. abandonment,
1: abandoning the. And it's hard to work with because you see it. Sometimes I've had clients who are 16 say to me, I know my mom's a narcissist Mm -hmm. um, and I won't pretend like I don't know what they're talking about. Um, I'll often say, okay, let's talk about that. And what does that mean for
0: you? Yeah, it's 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 super complicated because what I think of is that you know there's this developmental stage that teenagers go through where they're seeking autonomy, and it's a very important stage, right? Where, mm-hmm. where we're individuating into people and into equals, and then parents will often say, "Oh yes, my you know my thirty-two-year-old, we're friends now. We've moved into a friend." zone and it's quite lovely and blah, blah, blah. Well, a narcissistic mom never wants that to happen. They no. always need to be superior. Right. So.
1: Yeah. And a lot, a lot of times too, I'll hear, um, well, there's certain values in this house. They'll, <laughs> they'll use that as a, as a way to let me know mm-hmm. that if I use my professional opinion, then I am being unethical because I'm challenging their value system. And they know that technically that would be unethical for me to do. So it's a trap, which is their attempt at shaming you. Absolutely. Um, and I've, I've very candidly and respectfully at times stated, um, I, this is the first time you've presented it that way and they don't (laughs) like that. So, um, and I've had parents in the room say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you now for guidance because see, do you see what she does to me? And I don't align myself with the parent in that moment. And oh, and yeah. it's incredibly hard when they don't get mirrored. So it's, it's, they're very difficult clients to work with when the client is the child and not them. Yeah. And
0: they're engaging in triangulation, right? I mm-hmm. mean, manipulation a splitting between the two and they're counting on that. The kid's not going to tell you what they talk about. Mm hmm. And the kid, of course, does. Mm -hmm. And so then when you stop the triangulation or you stop the splitting, splitting where someone's trying to control your communication with someone else, basically. And when you stop that and you're speaking directly about it and we're all on the same page, Mm -hmm. oh, that is so intimidating Mm -hmm. because the manipulation is not there anymore. Right.
1: And where sometimes having those family sessions is actually counterproductive and could mm-hmm. be really damaging to the child. And I learned, I've learned that in the past that I'll, I'll have one family session just to see how it un, unrolls, uh, unravels. And if it, if it gives me that sense, mm-hmm. uh, that will be the last family session I will do for a very long time, but it allows me to see what the dynamic is. Yeah. So anyway, I just, it's yeah. a very particular type of person. Mm-hmm. And personality structure that is, I know we talk about narcissism a lot on here, but narcissistic mothers, man. And and how, this is supposed to be the, the primary caregiver, the nurturer, the person in your life that's supposed to help you build a sense of autonomy and self-love and all that. And when that person does everything but that.
0: Well, I'm, I can uh, only imagine, you know, a baby needs mirroring. Mm-hmm. So that's expecting a narcissistic mother to mirror the baby. In other words, babies need to lead that mirroring. Right. If you look at like attachment videos yep. or your study attachment at all, the baby leads it, the baby smiles, you smile. Right. It's not you smile and then the baby smile. I mean, that eventually happens. Right. That is part of it is that the baby will start to mirror you back. But you have to let the baby lead as well; otherwise, mm-hmm. you don't get that solid sense of mm-hmm. um, autonomy that happens in toddlerhood. You know,
1: where they can like walk away from you. Yeah. and, and feel I think safe. that's that's too where people get confused. Well, what if? But what about the kids that end up narcissistic when the parents like love them a lot? And I'm like, it's not love. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's different. It's, yeah.
0: That's different. I mean, you
1: can become spoiled.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's a different kind of. Loving you a lot. Like there's, there's a lot of nuance in that. And there's
1: conditions in it.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of nuance in, Oh, well my mom just loved me a lot. Well, that's, there's nuance. I would yeah. just say that we'd have to look at that. Directly. So anyway, all right. Yep. Well, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. What did I watch? What did I watch Kathy? Do you know? You me Can me you guess? guess? You want me to guess? No, <laughs> sure. Um, you watched something off shutter. <laughs> yep. I did, and I watched something off Netflix as well. So I on Netflix, I watched the true crime, The Confession Killer.
1: I've started that. Have I've you? Wa- I haven't watched all of it, but I started it a while back.
0: I thought it was a pretty, like, well-constructed – it's a quick watch, really. It's mm-hmm. pretty well-constructed, so – It's, um, I wrote down my, I have my little description here. Henry Lee Lucas, that was his name. He was a notorious self-proclaimed serial killer who confessed to committing as many as 600 murders, Mm -hmm. but most of these claims were lies. So the documentary charts that and it's, it's really, it's really an interesting watch It's especially with what we talk about on this show and these prolific killers that we profile or not profile, but talk about their psychology. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was really interesting because there's some things near the end that it boils down to where they sort of talk about why it might have been that he got himself into these kinds of situation, these kinds of situations. And let me just say the word confabulation comes Mm -hmm. up is that Mm -hmm. he suffered from confabulation and that that was a piece of what was happening in that you could suggest something to him or talk about a murder, and then he could make up a story about that in a Mm -hmm. very convincing way. And so he was very convincing to police officers who desperately wanted to close murders. And there's a whole political... One of the episodes is like, I feel like it was the whole episode about... The police chief and the policemen, and all of the people that got embroiled up in this, and then, of course, got very, were very ashamed of what yeah. ended up happening. Because unfortunately, what happens when you confess to 600 murders and didn't commit any of them or three of them or whatever mm-hmm. is all those cases got closed. Right. And there were, you know, 600 families. That now don't have that. Actual now don't closure. have and then all now it's all cold and That's horrible. It's horrendous. And one might think, well, Henry Lee Lucas is a psychopath for doing that, but he doesn't come off as a person who mindfully had any kind of you thought just more around what he was doing. Delusional, psychotic, yeah. That's what it seems. So anyway, yeah. that's that's basically the wow. story, but it's an interesting journey. Yeah. If you choose to take it. <laughs> It was, you know, these Netflix, it's another one in the catacomb of Netflix Mm -hmm. crime, true crime documentaries. They are solidly on the bandwagon with us. Yeah. Which is good. The other thing I think was super fun that I watched that I wanted to share with you in particular (laughs) is called Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex from 1994. Tanny? Well, they misspelled the name Tammy in the original artwork. And so on Shudder, it's Tanny because what they did is they released the original like uncut version. Okay. So the version that came out in 1994 was much more comedy, silly. Mm-hmm. And the version, this is what I've read anyway, cause I haven't watched the original uncut one, but this one that they've now released on Shudder is much more of a horror movie. I mean, there's, gore and stuff yeah but it's so cheesy it's so amazing it's so 1994 oh, that's awesome so an evil scientist implants the brain of Michael who is played by Paul Walker Aww. a murdered high school student into a Tyrannosaurus oh my god an animatronic Tyrannosaurus. You watched the whole thing from of this? 1994. It took me three tries, but I watched <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> That's hilarious. The first thing you're like, "Really? You got all the way through it?" Hit the mic. Hit just yeah. over here. Just it's hitting a it. Thing hitting these it, days. Yeah, she didn't used to hit the mic, no. but now all of a sudden she it's does. It's closer to my face now. I think she's just more. You're just more comfortable too, so you're gesticulating and. Yeah, I'm just doing your whole thing. <laughs> anyway, he escapes, Michael, in the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Mm-hmm wreaks vengeance on his high school tormentors and is reunited with his sweetheart, Tammy. I can
1: see of the poster up in the reflection. I, I do. Look at this. And
0: guess who is played by it's Denise Richards, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh my God. I kind of remember this poster.
0: So it's hard to forget. Cause it's a gigantic. It's like a, so
1: she, it's a King so Kong she's Tanny?
0: type story. She's Tanny okay. or Tammy, whichever. Uh, She, so it's complete with uh, a brain gasm. There's a brain gas. I love how
1: the poster got all the way through, and then they noticed it was wrong. Yeah, like not a lot of budgeting. I mean, that one
0: says Tammy, but the one on Shutter says Tanny because that they have the original little artwork on there, so it's pretty cool. Anyway, (laughs) so it was it was great. You don't have to sit through it, but I thought of you and it it was just re-released and they did this whole thing on shutter about re-releasing it so i'm like i got to check it out and it's denise richards from back yeah. in the day and she's scantily clad of course wild things and mm-hmm. and she there's it's it's complete with a you know a sexy dance cuz she's oh got to do a sexy dance yeah. paul walker when he was very very young yeah. so that's endearing and they put his he gets murdered and, and then they put his brain inside, inside of a mechanical t-rex. T-Rex. Oh, and the villain is played by Bernie from Weekend at Bernie. No way. You know, the, the dead yeah. guy they drag yeah, around yeah. town. Yeah. It's played by him.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, it, again, he play, who does he play in it?
0: The villain. The villain. Okay. The evil, the mad scientist, basically. Uh, and <laughs> so it's got a little reanimation thing, which uh-huh. I was talking about in the other episode. It's got that reanimation theme. And then it's also, uh, you know, a little King Kongish. It sounds like it. Because you the, see them riding right. in the distance. She's like riding oh the God. back of the Tyrannosaurus. And the, oh my God, the effects are so bad. But <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing, is it means to be funny. So it's not like, right, so this can, is stupid, and right. so you're laughing at it being stupid. It means to be stupid. It's like, intentional. Like yeah. there are literally um, Tyrannosaurus feet shots. Where it's like a rubber, you can tell it's a rubber, like Tyrannosaurus foot. And then there's several times the Tyrannosaurus, you know, you can tell there's a guy that's wearing a a hand, like a a Tyrannosaurus hand and dialing a phone number. I mean, it's, it's pretty special. I'm
1: looking up some of the images right now. That's pretty terrible.
0: I'm not going to lie. It's pretty special.
1: (laughs) Oh my god,
0: and this is pretty bad. It's only it's only like it's less than 90 minutes long and it's, it took me 3 tries oh to my get god, all those picture
1: it. where she's like riding the T-Rex.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's really good stuff. And <laughs> no critics have rated it on t- to Rotten Tomatoes.
1: <laughs> They're so young. And it's
0: only got a 37% audience score. I think people didn't get it. It's supposed to be silly. Yeah. It's really bad and really silly. Um And I just thought of me. I thought of you. Mm,
1: I don't know what that
0: means, but thank you. Well, we can interpret that (laughs) on tomorrow's show. (laughs) No, it was the 1994, like older, um, campy, campy. cheesy kind of thing. We talk about that a lot with you. You like those things. I mean, it's usually the same 70s and 80s, but yeah, this one was 94. Okay. But it kind of looks like the 80s.
1: Kind of like like the the movie cutting class. Hmm. with when brad pitt was like
0: i remember that 17 we've talked a lot about brad pitt lately
1: you have in particular <laughs> we talked I about brought brad him up, pitt's I, nose on really <laughs> on funny. i brought explosion. him I, he must be on my brain because i brought him up in my class last week when i was talking about rorschach yeah because herman rorschach looks like him <laughs> they've done like parallel pictures nice of the, yeah they look they, they resemble each other quite a bit You know, one thing I want to
0: mention, too, I just thought of um, thinking of you and we did a whole special on Bundy. But the um, there's a person in the confession killer
1: that reminds you of
0: me. Yes. (laughs) The guy, actually. No, just kidding.
1: (laughs) No, there. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> there's a guy named Hugh Ainsworth who wrote the very first book on Bundy called "The Only Living Witness."
1: Oh, I've heard of that book.
0: Okay, and yeah. so he's in this being interviewed because where he, you know, he did those uh, interviews with Bundy way back yeah. in the day, and then he ended up doing interviews with this guy too. Oh, interesting. So one of the episodes he's interviewed as well, oh, and that's I cool. thought of you for that as Maybe well. Maybe I'll watch
1: it for that. Yeah, um, just
0: to skip forward and
1: watch that part. I saw Rocket Man. Finally. Oh, finally.
0: Finally. Did you like I it? I loved it. Me too. And it gives so
1: much context to the lyrics of his songs and his relationship with Bernie Toppin. It's just, it was so good. I can't, I I'm, wait, was, I'm waiting for New York to put it on, on Broadway.
0: I thought it was really well done.
1: It was. I really it's did. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a stage show.
0: Yeah. If it isn't already, that would be crazy if it wasn't. It I think it is. I think he won an, the um, star of it, won an award at the Golden Globes, I thought, like best actor in a musical or something. Yeah, but for a film. I know. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I was, my brain, yeah, I, I can't direction. imagine they're not going to take that to Broadway. Well, they certainly should. It's too easily, I mean, it translates really well. It's made like a musical on Broadway.
0: I just thought it was well done. I thought it was more well done than most of the musical movies I've seen. Well,
1: you know what it was? It, It was, one, you start to listen. I mean, I've known Elton John's songs and his lyrics for so many years. I grew up on him and it puts so much context to their his relationship with his writer Bernie Topin who they've been working together for over 50 years and the way that Bernie really captured um what went on in Elton's life and their life and his life and their relationship and now these songs the context and the way that it just rolled Along and how, you know, bringing the childhood, there's so much therapy in Mm -hmm. this movie. It's just so incredibly done. And Elton John, I already knew a little bit about his story and his addiction. And I had no idea his parents were as cruel as they were. And all of the stuff that came from that, it was really good yeah when i first
0: saw it i was like oh we don't we only really talk about horror movies and true crime people because if we talked about regular movies that's such a psych movie yeah
1: it really is i had
0: so much psych Going on in my head because the context is he's in group therapy and he's looking
1: back, he's flashing back, and he had just walked out on what Madison Square Gardens, yeah, that that show. He walked out and got into a cab and went to rehab and shows up in this like Elton John devil cost angel costume thing and right. And we've both worked
0: in rehabs and we've both conducted group therapy many many hours, sometimes together, sometimes together. That's right. And so the watching that movie and I just thought it was really well constructed the way they weaved the story in with the songs yeah. and how they just that was pretty seamless and there's a couple songs where that actor just takes it very slow and you just you just you're in it with him and that is very different because I think oftentimes musicals can be very um showy mm-hmm. like they're over there and I'm over here I don't get drawn no no in. he was great and Elton John picked him yeah he picked him out he said you're gonna play me and he did also recently I'll just mention before we end the show is that the Producers Guild had their awards as well. So we've mm. had the Globes and the Producers Guild and maybe by the time this airs the SAG awards will have already happened. I'm not sure but uh 1917 won the the best picture mm. at the PGA which I think surprised a lot of people but uh, and then Toy Story 4 won and mm-hmm. You know, everybody kind of wants Parasite to win things, but it's
1: just not doing that. I almost watched it the other night because I've had a lot of people ask me to watch it so they could talk about it with me. And I just wasn't in the mood. Yeah. I mean, sense. I want to see it, but You it was, might have to watch it
0: in two sittings yeah. or something to get through it. Because sometimes we're just not attracted to something Yeah. that we know is probably going to be good, but we're just not attracted to it. It mm-hmm. certainly got some horror elements to mm-hmm. it. Uh, *Flea Bag*. Got your your girl. Yeah, she's awesome. Your girl, season two won for the comedy, and Chernobyl won a producer's prize, and so did Apollo Missions to the Moon, which I have not seen.
1: I watched, can I mention one other thing I watched? Of course. Um, if those of you who have Disney Plus or any sort of um, subscription with the National Geographic channel, the documentary year year million i Mm -hmm. think it's called and it it talks about the future and um sort of where we're heading regarding our mortality and ai and um epigenetics and all and they do it in a way that it's it's dramatized so you're following this family Mm -hmm. through it it's very it's it's so fucking scary but Done really well, and you can go through the. If you have Disney Plus, just go to National Geographic, and it's right there. It's awesome. I'm really enjoying Disney Plus. Oh my god, it's like a ride in itself. Uh, Imagineering, the whole Imagineering series. Obsessed. I'm
0: obsessed with that. I can't wait to like watch
1: it. I just, I just want to say, I'm someone who is clearly not a fan of zoos, but I love everything that the Animal Kingdom did, and Jane Goodall worked. I had no idea she worked on that project, and said, "Listen." The zoos are, are are awful places, but if you can get a, a conservatory and you can get people who are trying to rehabilitate these animals, they can do better than some of the people who are out there yes. trying to do it. So there was a philanthropic reason for those things to be created. Oh my God! They went to Africa and got seedlings and created a savanna, and they created it, they they made it so much that they could have all of the animals that you would see in the Serengeti and make it look like there were no barriers. Cause clearly they're not going to put them in their natural habitat together or kids would be watching lions eating zebras. Right. So they, d- and they even put like cooling rocks. So when the lions laid on those rocks, mm-hmm. there was a cooling system underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. That whole series blew me away. I know it's amazing.
0: I can't watch wait to watch it again.
1: <laughs> it's I'm already, definitely one of
0: those ones. I've already you, started rewatching where it. you don't get everything even no. the, the second time no. around. Probably the parades,
1: all of that is so cool. Um, Epcot. I'm obsessed with the creation of Epcot. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Pretty phenomenal. Going back and watching those videos are completely nostalgic.
0: Maybe I'll do some of that. Yeah, that sounds fun. All right, Miss Miss Kathy, yeah. Doctor Barrett,
1: Miss Calder. Thank you. So
0: yes, next week, very soon, in a few days, Ramirez. Yeah. For f- holy shit. Four weeks. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna need to be watching Disney while we yeah. while we do that. I've
1: had to watch a lot of Disney while I've been researching him, that's yeah. for
0: sure. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing everything. And then I'm also looking forward to I don't know reflecting on the shrink chat show about what happens yeah and
1: and um you know I'll give you guys a little bit of just real quickly the rundown will be we're, we're going to talk about his life but um the second episode we're actually is, will be a lot of discussion between you and me around um some of the stuff that I bring around his criminal and psychological profile and just having a discussion about um the whole you know nature and nurture part of how he got sure. to where he did and and so it's really interesting.
0: I'm sure it is. It's yeah. always interesting. I mean, I've been interested every time we've done these, um, whether I was researching it or you, mm-hmm. it's always a, an interesting conversation. And, and I always learn something. So it sounds like episode one, will be setting it all up, you know, the childhood. And- yeah, it's
1: going to be his life just up until um, we get into his mass, you know, insatiable hunger to, for
0: when he starts to, yeah.
1: Break the law. Mm, Well,
0: (laughs) more so than he already had. Right. Um, And then the second episode will be a lot of case talk. Sounds like. Okay, great. And then we'll we'll go from there. We'll go from there. All right. Right on. We're looking forward to that. So thank you so much for listening. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.